Welcome back to Hitchcock Chronologically, the show where I, Jeff, go through every single one of Alfred Hitchcock's movies, and then I review them. And I do it in chronological order, and I'm doing it all in one year, because there's 52 of them, and there's 52 Wednesdays in 2021. And uh, as a matter of fact, it's the month of October now. Uh, We've entered into uh, the last quarter of this podcast, and... Next month is going to be slap full of hits. It's going to be Vertigo, North by Northwest, Psycho, and The Birds. And each of those episodes, I have a guest. But for the remaining month of October, and then of course December, I'm not going to have any guests. It's going to be classic Hitchcock chronologically, if there can ever be something that is considered classic chronologically Hitchcock. It's going to be me, the movie. And you. And this week, I watched To Catch a Thief from 1955, directed by, uh, let's see here, Alfred Hitchcock, starring Cary Grant, Grace Kelly, and John Williams, not the guy who made the music to Star Wars. However, his name should sound familiar as he was in the movie Dial M for Murder. And he played the detective who brushed his mustache at the very end of the movie. Just a classic outro for him. He, he you know, he's great. And he's back again. This is a Cary Grant movie. We've, we have a Cary Grant movie here from, and it's not just because Cary Grant's in it, but this is a, this is the, the type of role Cary Grant shines in. And it's wonderful to see. It's called To Catch a Thief because this movie stars Cary Grant as John Robbie, who is a former thief who no longer steals. However, there's been a series of jewels, uh, jewel thefts in his area. So, of course, they everyone assumes it's him because he is a well-known jewel thief who has retired. And th- he doesn't help himself out at all because when the cops come to question him, he runs. Um, which seems like a bad idea. And he runs to his friend, um, Bertani or yeah, Bertani, who is a restaurateur and a former thief. And he has a crew that makes up the staff at his restaurant. That's also made up of former thieves. Um, one of them is Mr. Fussard who works there. There's a big guy that's washing dishes and they all see Cary Grant come into the off, into the office of the, of Mr. Bertani. And he is, uh, well hated. Cary Grant is, uh, even to the point where they throw eggs at him and the big guy wants to beat him up with a plate. And, and what, what makes Cary Grant great is, he, the nonchalance and how nothing gets him really that flustered. And as this gigantic man is approaching him with a broken plate, ready to stab him, he throws a wine bottle at him and the guy has to drop the plate and it crashes. And he just, he knows he's smarter than the big oaf. Well, he has the discussion with Mr. Bertani and, you know, hey, I need to find a way to clear my name. And the only way I know of to clear my name is to find the actual thief who is stealing this stuff. 
And the idea is he needs to get some information and research because he needs the person doing this is imitating his MO. And he wants to anticipate the next move because he, if they're copying his MO, he believes he can predict their next move and beat them to the punch. And to do this, he needs information. Now, Mr. Bertani has a contact in the insurance industry and people insure their jewelry in case it's stolen. They can recoup the, the, the value of it in cash. And uh, the from Lloyd's of London, which I believe is a real company um, because I've heard of them before is H H Houston, who is played by John Williams. And uh, he's great. Uh, he basically, Cary Grant talks him into giving him the information of who the biggest jewel owners are when they're home, like all this information that would implicate, like, I don't know that he's H H Houston's Houston is supposed to give up this information. I, matter of fact, I know he's not, but he does it anyway. Um, but they go on a chase because the police are still very much after John Robbie, after he, uh, AKA Cary Grant, after he fled the cops before. And he gets arrested, but they have to let him go based on the lack of evidence. And then the next scene is Mr. Hewson and Cary Grant having lunch. And uh, Cary Grant basically makes an argument that everyone is kind of a thief. And he does. He points this out to H.H. H. Hewson, who uh, has a an expense report, an expense account. And uh, he's getting a free lunch on John Robbie. And he says, well, are you going to report this so you um, so you can give back the money from your expense account for not having to buy this meal? And he says, no, of course not. He's like, you're a thief. You're an amateur thief. And um, and Cary Grant is a professional thief. And he says at one point, H.H. Houston stole ashtrays from hotels. And Cary Grant says, well, when ashtray goes missing, no one comes and looks for you. But when jewels go missing, they come and look for me because he's this well-known jewel thief. And again, the whole thing is he's trying to clear his own name. Uh, one of the things that happens, how he gets. Uh, so that when he's at the restaurant the first time talking with Bertani, he needs to get out. And so there's like an underground passage and they're in France. And I should say, Mr. Bertani is like dubbed. I don't believe the actor is a native Span uh, English speaker, and he's very poorly dubbed. Horribly so. There's scenes where his lips don't even move, and he's talking. Um, it's hilarious. Now, Mr. Bertani sends him with Fusard, who's one of the guys that works at the restaurant. Downstairs, Fusard's daughter is there, and... Uh, Foussard asks his daughter, Danielle, to take him out of here. Uh, Danielle is a, they call her a teenager. She's like, she doesn't look like one. She looks like she's in her 20s. Um, so probably the actress, but she takes him on a boat ride and then tries to talk him into going to South America for some reason. But he really just wants to clear his name because he's actually like a farmer now. Like the opening scene is him at his villa farming, you know, various vegetables and stuff. Uh, but he ends up getting away and he talks with um, Mr. Hughes, 
Hewson and, and gets the information he needs. So, so on this boat ride, um, afterwards he kind of dives and goes to shore and he immediately has a phone call there, or a note from someone telling him basically to get lost. The real robber is leaving him notes and Grace Kelly sees him on the shore and doesn't really introduce herself yet. But, um, one of the names on this list that John Williams has given him of potential targets of theft uh, are, uh, Miss Stevenson or Miss Stevens and her daughter. Miss Stevens is played by Jesse Royce Landis. Uh, she's fantastic. I don't know if she's really part of like the, you know, the director Landis, John Landis, if she's related in any way. And her daughter is played by Grace Kelly. Uh, that, that would be Francis Stevens. And, uh, there's this scene. So essentially Cary Grant's just trying to get close to Jesse Stevens uh, as he believes her to be the next target. And he thinks if he sticks close enough around her, he'll be able to, t to look out for the thief. And he does this in the most weird way. I, I don't know how he does it. So they're at a roulette table and when you play roulette, there's, of course, the wheel that spins and the balls in there. And then there's a, a, a mat of different numbers that you can place bets on. And he's holding one of these cards. It's like it's worth a certain number of dollars, like a thousand francs. And he purposefully slips it down. <laughs> I, he, I, he slips it down the blouse of a woman next to him, which creates a distraction and gets... The laughter, Jesse Stevens thinks this is the most hilarious thing ever and invites him to dinner and they become friends. It was really weird. I don't understand these tactics. Uh, but, you know, Cary Grant is now going under another name. He says he's some guy from Portland, Oregon, and he is, owns wood, I guess, or he's a lumberer. Um, And... Grace Kelly and him kind of go on a date. Um, they go to the beach where he's called away and given another note. There's a note for him at the office telling him he's got eight lives or he's got, he's used eight of his nine lives. Don't risk his last one. Like, so the, the, this thief out there is very much wanting to get Cary Grant to back up. And, <laughs> one of the funniest he's grace kelly and him they go for a drive because she um wants to take him on a picnic and they're going up these windy roads up these hills now the movie i believe takes place on location friends because it's an actual like on this coast of the mediterranean it looks gorgeous but there's all these sheer rock drops there and there's a car path that winds around the mountains and everything and she's driving up them and this whole time though they're being pursued by two police officers that are like undercover they're trying to keep their distance it's not like a full-on chase and carrie grant wants her to go faster he says um i'm hungry because they have this kid of food in the back can you uh, basically i don't know what we're waiting for can't you get us there faster and one thing about this is you don't want to tell Grace Kelly to drive faster, at least in this movie, because she drives like a maniac. 
it's hilarious. She's weaving up the roads, dodging. There's a bus oncoming that she barely misses. She almost runs over an old lady. And through this chase, the police behind her crash. And so before this, though, one, the they go to a place to kind of scout where Cary Grant thinks the next hit's going to be. And Grace Kelly is with him. And she says, I know why we were there. You're scouting out your next, uh, you know, theft. And she says, I know who you are. You're John Robbie. He's like, no, no, I'm not. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you are. And they have their little picnic and he essentially kind of lets it go. Now, her mom's jewels get stolen that night. And Grace Kelly believes that John Robbie has done it. He's like, I didn't do it. He even goes to meet uh, her mom, who she has a super crush on Cary Grant. And she's like, well, if I was my daughter's age, I'd be all over you. But I think in reality, Cary Grant is probably closer in age to Jesse Stevens than, than she, he is to Grace Kelly. And he de she definitely like eyes him and ogles him. And you know what? It's nice for a movie to have a man be objectified for once. It's kind of funny. And they, he tells her, he's like, actually, you know, my name's John Robbie. Just talking directly to her mom. Grace Kelly's not in the room. And I used to be a thief. And I'm, I'm really just trying to figure out who's doing these, the these thieveries essentially using my MO and trying to pin it on me. And at the whole time, she completely trusts Cary Grant's character, whereas Grace Kelly comes in the room and is like, that's the guy who stole it. He's a thief. And her mom's just not buying it. And she even covers for him because Grace Kelly had called the police to get them to come and take Cary Grant away. And Cary Grant runs out the window while she's bringing them in. And her mother covers for him, reading a book on her bed, apparently upside down and uh as he gets away so she's totally not concerned about uh carrie grant and neither are we as the the viewer there's no point where we're under the suspicion that he might be the thief now there are many times though while i'm watching this i think it's going to end up being grace kelly um but it it never does they set up Cary Grant works with the, mm, I don't know if he works with the police. Maybe he does. Yeah, I think he does. He works with the police and he sets up a sting at this residence. They were scouting out because he believes he's been kind of watching around and he's seen in the shadows, the man who is doing these thieveries, not able to identify him, but sees him there. So he knows that this house is going to be next and he, he waits there, but gets attacked and the attacker gets killed because he gets pushed off of Cary Grant and falls down off one of these sheer cliffs I was talking about. And the person who dies is Fussard. That's the, the guy from the, um, the restaurant who took him to his daughter. And basically this solves the case, right? The thief is found out. It's in all the newspapers. Grace Kelly has come to apologize to Cary Grant at the funeral of Fusard. And Fusard's daughter is there and she's crying and she blames him. She says, This is your fault. You did this. And like the caring man that Cary Grant is, that John Robbie is, this mourning daughter blaming him. 
you know, she's mourning. You know, sometimes when you're mourning, you say things you, you don't mean or you don't feel because you're hurting in another way. Well, he slaps the taste out of her mouth. Just no regard. It took me by surprise. I had to rewind it to make sure it was John Robbie that did it because it fell out of character. But this, I guess, is a time in the 50s where you're, you're allowed to hit women. And he does. But at this point, he suspects Fusard's daughter because they're like, why was Fusard there? And he says it's because Cary Grant says it's because I'm getting too close to the actual cat burglar. And at this point, I know exactly who it is. It's his daughter. It's Danielle Fusard, who is the cat burglar, because that's the only thing that makes sense. It, the only reason that Fusard would care that Cary Grant's getting close to the cat burglar is if his daughter is the cat burglar. So they set up a sting, another sting at this costume party where um, Grace Kelly and her mom are dressed up and dolled up and they have like a, a manservant there, I guess. And he is totally masked and covered and it's Cary Grant. And at one point, uh, Jesse Stevens sends Cary Grant back to her room to get uh, some heart pills or whatever. And when he comes back, he's not speaking anymore. So those of us watching at home know, okay, there's been a switch and they party and they shut this party down to the point where there's only two people in the dance floor, Grace Kelly and the guy we're supposed to assume is Cary Grant. And the band just gives up and says, we're done and we're done playing. And so Grace Kelly and the guy go back to her room and under the mask is John Williams, HHUs, who is just, I guess, trying to get, keep, you know, if they find the jewels, his company doesn't have to pay uh, Mrs. Stevens the money for the lost jewelry. And that's why he's trying to help. Well, uh, on the roof. So basically that swap gave Cary Grant time to change into uh, a black shirt and black slacks. Like when he's doing his robberies or when he's on the roof, he's in black slacks. I would think you'd wear jeans or shorts or something that would allow you to move a little more freely. But no, you have to look good when you're performing thieveries. So he's on the roof and he's just keeping an eye out because he now knows or believes that the next theft is going to take place here. And sure enough, uh, as he's about to give up on the thief showing up, out of one of the windows comes the thief with a bag full of jewelry. Uh, they give chase. The police are down on the ground shooting upward. And Grace Kelly's like, don't shoot. They get the spotlight on Cary Grant. So now they're like, okay, it's definitely John Robbie that's the thief. And they, they have a chase and eventually unmasked is indeed Danielle Fussard. And, um, he, she kind of, as they're running slips and is hanging off the side of a building and he grabs her arm and she's like, pull me up. He goes, well, you're going to have to tell everyone down there what you've done before I pull you up, which this is under distress. Now in America, I don't know how much credit you'd be able to give to this, but she explains that she indeed was the cat burglar. Uh, and the reason she was doing it was for Bertani again, the guy who owns the restaurant and that's why he's getting framed. So this kind of felt actually a little bit of a letdown at the end. Uh, and I say that because the whole movie's quite good, quite fun. And Cary Grant is so entertaining and charismatic in this movie. It's the, the first one of his movies that Hitchcock has done that I've watched for this show, where 
I'm like, that's Cary Grant. That's what I love when he's on screen and he does it here. Um, the problems with the movie really are the, the fact that it's still misogynistic, uh, which every movie so far has been because it's the, you know, it just, it, it hasn't gone away. Maybe it's gotten better. We're more aware of it, but back in the fifties, it was accepted. And to slap a mourning child who lost their parent, regardless of the situation, seems a bit much to me. That being said, this is still really fun. If it feels, it's sweeping this, the whole landscape of this town in France and the scenery is great and the acting is so much fun and Grace Kelly's character is interesting and John Williams is interesting and Cary Grant is Cary Grant and it's what you want. And um, with the exception of, um, excuse me, Bertani, who is severely dubbed over and just kind of garbage on screen, uh, the, the movie looks great, sounds great. Uh, it's in color. What more do you want from a movie from the 50s? And so I would definitely recommend watching To Catch a Thief. I think it's fun. But it isn't a standout Hitchcock movie. Like, it, it's still really good, though. Like, it's better than most of the movies I watch, but it's not transcended in any way. It's just a really fun Cary Grant romp. Uh, and I think it's a good precursor to North by Northwest. So I'll be interested to see when I get to North by Northwest how I feel about that one, looking back on on this and some of the other movies. But uh, I am still a good ways away from that. We we are trucking through the month of October, and uh, we've got three films left. The next one is The Trouble with Harry, which is a dark comedy that came out in 1955. Um, and I've seen this one. This is one that I've actually seen. Now, it's been a long, long time since I've seen it. Now, there is one name that sounds familiar, Shirley MacLaine. Now, what was Shirley MacLaine in? No, not Die Hard. Um, and I recognize her face. Uh, it looks like she was in Steel Magnolias. That's a pretty popular movie. But um, in Glee, <laughs> she was in Glee. Anyway. She's in this and it's a, it's a dark comedy. And I remember seeing it years ago and really liking it. Um, but it has been several decades since I've watched it. So it's possible I won't like it anymore, but I doubt it. I think it's still going to be fun. And it is a very different movie than what Hitchcock has done in the past. Uh, because it is a comedy. Now, if you're watching along, you can get at me and let me know that you're watching along with me by going to Twitter and find me at podcast by Jeff. I know I didn't have a lot of energy in this episode and it's not because I don't feel good or anything. It's just the movie was good. There's like, I can't, I can't stir up any further emotion than that. That was a good movie. Oh, well, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, we're, uh, yeah, a podcast by Jeff. You can find me over there on Twitter. Um, you can also check out my other po movie podcast called The Movie Draft House that I do with my friend Mark. 
Um, that's wherever you find podcasts as well as Budget Arcade, which if you're listening to this, you probably already listened to Budget Arcade. Uh, but that's it. I will see you next week for The Trouble with Harry. <laughs>